This is CliffCentral.com. Hey, Ron. How are you, dude? Good. How are you? Good. You just landed? You guys just got me up. Landed after being away for a month. Well, we've missed you, and uh, there's lots to talk about, and I do want to get into some of it, but we'll have to see how good the phone line is. First of all, I see you've taken some kind of a wager with Vinnie Lingham. Yeah, you know, Vinnie, Vinnie used to be called the Bitcoin Oracle, and every time he used to make a prediction, apparently it used to come true. Mm-hmm. But um, the last couple of calls that he's made, in my opinion, haven't been that good. In fact, I've kind of used him as a reverse indicator. Whatever he says, I kind of do the opposite. And it's been quite a good strategy from so So he called me the other day yeah. and said that he knows, well, he believes that this is the end, well, the end, this is it, and Bitcoin is going to go down way below $8,000. And I said, Vinny, that's impossible. There's too much demand. There's too much money coming into the market. It's not going to happen. So we decided to take a bet. And uh, yeah, the bet is that he says that by the end of March, Bitcoin will hit 8000 or under. I say not a chance. Yeah. And uh, the winner gets the title of the Bitcoin article. So, I mean, what's what? What do you really think is is driving this? Because a lot of people are very concerned. I mean, when we when we last spoke, things were still um, in limbo after December, and December was a pretty awful time for a lot of people in cryptocurrencies because they saw uh, what for them were major corrections, especially if they entered the market late. For you, of course, it's all been pretty much decent profit the whole way through because you bought in so early. But uh, if people got involved in November, December last year, then they will feel like they've lost a lot of money. I mean, are we feeling a little more optimistic about things? It seems to have leveled out in some places. Let's take a step back. Let, 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 let's take a step back and, and forget about when you enter the market, just for one second. We'll get back to that in, in, in a second. Mm-hmm. But the idea is, what we have to do is we have to look at the fundamentals of what's happening in the market. So the first fundamental is the market went up way, way, way too quickly. We had a market where I'm going to use Bitcoin as a, as a milestone or as a frame of reference, but Bitcoin serves as a frame of reference for all cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. The market, if you bought a Bitcoin 12 months ago, the, the return on your investment uh, is about now 10 times your money. Hmm. And then if you take that and you would have bought your Bitcoin say, slightly later, say October, uh, um, August, September last year, you would have made... A whole lot of money, but then the, the whole the whole problem is it, it got too overheated and too much money came in way too quickly. Right. And so much money came in so quickly that most of the exchanges, as you may recall, couldn't even take on clients anymore. And so what happens is we kind of experienced a correction where markets had to come back to what I'm calling reality or some kind of sanity as opposed to this hype and hysteria and euphoria. But fundamentally, nothing's changed. Fundamentally, the technology is getting better and better. The real-world applications of the blockchain are actually starting to filter in. More money is flowing into the blockchain. Right. Um, more more on-ramps and off-ramps. I don't know if you're familiar, but there's an app or a trading platform called Robinhood. Robinhood has over a million customers, and Robinhood allows for free trading. And just very recently, Robinhood introduced Bitcoin and Ethereum trading onto their platform. Which is huge news. It just means that more people will be able to buy more cryptocurrency. Um, last night, there was a very iconic uh, buyer of a company called Poloniex. Now, Poloniex was one of the first and one of the biggest exchanges, crypto exchanges in the world. Right. And that business got bought out by a business called Circle. And Circle is a business that is backed by Goldman Sachs. Hmm. Now, Goldman Sachs are the same people that have said that they're looking to start a custodian desk for crypto, 
and also came out a while back and said that they wanted to start a trading desk for crypto for their clients. So you can kind of see that everything's moving in the right direction for more money to flow into crypto. And the question is then, why haven't we got all this money into crypto? And why isn't the, money, the market flying today? The answer is very simple. As of today, crypto is unregulated. And the problem is, you think about where most of the money is sitting. Yeah. Most people's money is sitting with wealth managers, with pension funds, with fund managers, with money managers. Now, those people, unfortunately today, because crypto is unregulated, probably don't have a mandate to invest in cryptocurrency. Uh-huh. So if you think about an Alexander Forbes or maybe even a PIC, and you say, look, um, they want to invest in crypto. Imagine, imagine a guy that says, I want to invest in crypto. He can't because in the mandate of the investment, the investment mandate, there's no, there's no provision that allows them to invest in cryptocurrency. Right. But as soon as cryptocurrency becomes regulated, then all of a sudden they won't be able to invest. Now, we know regulation is coming. Uh, South Korea is now said that they're very favorable towards cryptocurrency. Japan, very favorable towards cryptocurrency. Israel came out and said, we're actually um, taxing it as a capital gain, which now gives us legitimacy. It said it's an intangible asset and we're taxing it as a capital gain. <laughs> um, the USA, and specifically Wyoming, came out um, and came out with a, with a uh, document that said that there is a, thing, a new asset class called the utility token, described the utility token brilliantly, and almost will actually legitimize it. So it's a matter of time before it becomes regulated. And if it becomes regulated, then all the institutional money will start to be able to invest. And bang, there goes crypto for the next ride. So yeah, it may be short-term ups and downs. But in the big scheme of things, crypto is going nowhere, and the only way is up. Well, that sounds very good, and I think for a lot of people, that's that's a relief. Um, I, I think many people were were buoyed and maybe enthusiastic because of the fact that they saw it going up so so radically over the period of of the last couple of months of last year. But the 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 smaller cryptocurrencies, which you've often spoken about, because Bitcoin obviously takes the largest share of interest here. But the the smaller currencies that you've spoken about, some of them have actually done a lot better at recovering those original numbers from December. Um, others have done a lot worse. Is there any way we can figure out which ones and why those ones are the ones to, to back? So the way I see it, what's going to happen is when the money runs away, the money runs away from the riskier assets first um, and probably runs more into the safe haven type assets. Now, I know you can't say safe haven looks like crypto, but... Um, you know, just think about this. When when the when people get nervous, the first thing they do is they take their money out of the smaller one, and they take that money and either put it into cash or put it into what we call a cash equivalent in crypto, which is usually your Bitcoin or your Ethereum, which are your stable coins. Mm-hmm. Now, what that means is that the beta, or essentially the the the, the speed at which the currencies move, Bitcoin and Ethereum will go down slower but will also go up slower. So what, what I'm calling now, my, my, my next thesis is, um, and I'm not, I'm not taking a time frame, but what I'm saying is Bitcoin and Ethereum will definitely recover first, and they will recover slowly. So Bitcoin may go up 20 or 30% and get back to 13000 or 14000 US dollars. Ethereum may go up 20 or 30% or maybe 40% and get back to $1,200 or whatever else. But when that happens, people are going to say, wow, okay, Bitcoin's run and Ethereum's run. Now we're going to take the profits that we've made from Bitcoin and we're going to plow them back into the alternative coins. 
which are the smaller coins. Now, a small amount of money which is applied into the alternative coin causes a very big price rise because these coins are so small. So my theory is, if you're a conservative investor, keep your money in Bitcoin and Ethereum, wait for Bitcoin and Ethereum to go up. When you get to a point where you feel like taking a bit of profit, take your profits and put them into altcoins because the altcoins are sure to follow. Um, and, and among those altcoins, are there some areas you don't want to go? I mean, a lot of people say that some of these are fly-by-nights. There are so many new cryptocurrencies and tokens. It's very hard to figure out which ones are worth putting a, a, a slight risk into. So, yes, um, uh, w- one more note before we actually talk about the specific ones. I, I read an article on the airplane. I haven't had a chance to stop because the internet was so slow. But I read an article that 700 ICOs failed last year. Hmm. Um, meaning that 50% of the ICOs that were invested in last year actually failed. So I think my caution here is, <clears throat> my caution here is to say that if you're going to invest into the, if you're going to be a passive investor, stick to the Bitcoin, stick to Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin. Uh, maybe if you want to take a bit of a risk, IOTA, Cardano. Those are the top ten coins. If you know what you're doing. Then what I would do is start investing in the individual coins. If you don't know what you're doing, don't play darts and start investing in the individual coins because that's a sure way to get burned. Right. But if you do know what you're doing, then what I would do is I'd follow the following approach. The first thing is I would take a look at the sectors that I believe the blockchain is going to disrupt. Mm-hmm. So we know for sure banking. We know for sure insurance. We think property is going to be disrupted. We know identity is going to be disrupted. The next thing is what I would look at is I'd look at it and say, how quickly are these industries going to be disrupted by the blockchain? That way you'll get a, 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 an idea of the type of sectors that you want to be in because you want to be in sectors that are going to be disrupted and sectors that are going to be disrupted quickly. And once you've chosen those sectors, then start to analyze the companies under those sectors. So I'll give you a, a perfect example. Today, when we trade on, on when we trade cryptocurrency, we trade on centralized exchanges. Mm-hmm. Now, when you think about what is a centralized exchange, a centralized exchange is where the exchange sits between the buyer and the seller, and the exchange is actually a company which is owned by a whole lot of people, and it's a for-profit organization. Right. And essentially, what happens is when you trade on a centralized exchange, you put your tokens into a centralized exchange, and the tokens sit on the centralized exchange. That's the type of exchange we're all used to. So for people that are trading on Luna, for example, in South Africa, mm-hmm. that's a centralized exchange owned by individuals or companies. The money that the, the tokens live on the centralized exchange, our money sits on the centralized exchange. Now, that's a big security risk. Every time we've heard of hacks, the hacks are happening on centralized exchanges. And so one of the industries that we think is going to be disrupted by the blockchain and specifically disrupted quite quickly is the sector of centralized exchanges. Hmm. And they're going to be replaced by a thing called decentralized exchanges. Now, a decentralized exchange, unlike a centralized exchange, doesn't have a company or a central body sitting in the middle. I'll give it in the form of a practical example. If I want to trade 100 Ethereum and you want to buy 100 Ethereum, why do we need exchange? All we do is we program a smart contract in between us. And the smart contract says, when Gareth pays run, release the Ethereum, mm-hmm. and therefore you don't need an exchange in the middle. So a smart contract actually replaces the, the centralized exchange. Now that's one of the sectors that's being disrupted by blockchain, and it's being disrupted by blockchain now. So that's one of my favorite sectors. 
And within that sector, there's probably three or four tokens that one could look at. There's one called AirSwap, and the, to- the AirSwap symbol is AFP. Mm-hmm. There's another one called Omise Go, OMG, which is a, which is a great one. OMG. There's one called the, the Carbon Network. So, again, I say, I think the approach that people should apply is they should, if, if you're going to get into altcoins, you've got to do a lot of research, identify the sectors that are going to be disrupted, right. identify the speed at which they're going to be disrupted, and then identify the companies within those sectors. Run, uh, we 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 kind of running out of time here. I want to get you in properly, and we we catch up on all the stuff you learned in America. But what were the highlights of your trip? Because you've been uh, around about the world for the last uh, month and a bit. Um, and what have you discovered? Where have you been? A couple of conferences I saw. I saw you doing some lectures. Uh, what what, what yeah, have you so, learned? Um, I went to. I was at the one, two, three, four, five conferences. Uh, I was. At, I was at the. At a super, at a super Ethereum conference, a super Bitcoin conference, a conference called the Satoshi Roundtable, uh, and two or three other conferences. And in between that, I was doing a course at Harvard. So I was, uh, I think, a student lecturer because I was a, le- a student in the course, but I also lectured blockchain for the course. Hmm. And it was a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic experience. Wow, it sounds amazing. I want to catch up with you properly. All right, when you yeah. uh, when you have some time, let us know, and, and we'll organize uh, for you to come and see us properly. Yeah, we'll try and pop, right, I'll try and pop into the studio later this week. Sorry, I, I landed immediately no, no, right no. now. That's fine. I'm, I'm only too happy to speak to you. It's not a problem. Thanks so much, Ryan. Great, thanks. Cool. I'll be in touch with you later today. All right, man. There we go. Run. Uh, he's got his own show, and you can catch out on CNBC. It's the only show about cryptocurrency. He comes and talks to us every now and then about cryptocurrency. In fact, it's regular now. It's like every two weeks. Um, And he's been traveling the world, trying to make a head or tail of what's going on in the cryptocurrency markets. And it seems to me like he's one of the few people who can say he actually knows what the hell's happening. So if you want to know more, stick around with cliffcentral.com. Run Neuner, thank you very much. You can find him at CryptoManRun on Twitter. This is cliffcentral.com.